Such a celebration now paves the way for me to introduce our guest speaker, John Bertram Ao. John is no stranger to Rotary Melbourne and our members, and I greatly appreciated his immediate response to join us here today. In his business career, John has built companies in the maritime industry, property development, and digital media industries in Silicon Valley. Noted, of course, for skippering Australia too, to the America's Cup victory, the Confederation of Australian Sport voted that feat as the greatest team performance in 200 years of Australian sport. John is the president of Swimming Australia, and despite the COVID-19 pandemic delay, the team has its eyes set on 2021 Tokyo. To inspire us today, I give you John Bertram. Thank you, John. Well, thanks very much, and uh, very nice to uh, to be here on uh, video. Like incredible technology, eh? you know, the internet was really only understood or not understood, but invented in the early '90s at MIT in Boston, and uh, then the academics discovered it, and uh, by mid 1995, there was you know, the whole thing was starting to take off. Netscape was a company that uh, my business partner and I uh, were following. Uh, my business partner then, uh, Alan Rabinan, was at uh, Stanford University doing a short course, uh, MBA course, and he said, John, you've got to buy shares, but we can't even get them in this company called Netscape. It's just about to go public. And I said, uh, what's the internet? And that was like 1995. And like, how's, how's the game changed? It was just dramatic. So, you know, we're now seeing the f real utilization of, uh, you know, what we have here, even now through this COVID-19 crisis, global crisis, and companies like Zoom are, are making this type of thing, you know, uh, possible. So, you know, we live in a, in a new world. We know that, but uh, we're at, um, with some of our exploratory work with Swimming Australia last year, we went to Silicon Valley and we spent a day at uh, Facebook and the execs there said that uh, if they hadn't have pivoted, so-called pivoted away from the uh, lap, from the uh, PC to uh, handheld devices about six or seven years ago, they wouldn't exist today. That's how rapid the changes are. Everything was at desktop at that stage and the concept of mobile phones being fully interactive and so powerful was just going to be understood. And, uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's the reality of the situation. And they were saying that the execs there were saying that they believe that Facebook, at least, understood maybe only 5%, 5% of the potential of the internet. You know, so if these people are at that, you know, cutting edge, you, you think how far is this going to take us? And I think we're starting to see the reality of that now with the usage of uh, video conferencing, you know, the consideration of flying to Sydney for a meeting for, you know, a one hour meeting that just forget it. And the consideration of just going from one location to another for so-called uh, meetings, you know, it's th this whole, this whole world is just a, you know, a new world and it's going to be normal. It is being normalized now. And uh, that's the reality of human endeavor, isn't it? So I, uh, when um, Kevin asked me to, uh, to, to, to be involved. Incidentally, Kevin, how long have I got? 
<clears throat> when should we knock this thing off? It's now nearly half past one. Go for it, John. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I wanted to just be aware of timelines here. But um, when Kevin asked me to, uh, you know, say a few words, I thought, well, you know, I can talk about different things. But in particular, the most current project I've got on my plate is Swimming Australia and the Olympic program. I got involved after the, um, uh, the London Olympics where things were pretty dysfunctional. We came out of that, we meaning a sport of swimming. I have no swimming background, incidentally, but I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of um, uh, experience in building high-performance teams, particularly with the World of America's Cup. I, I, I was involved. I, I was involved with six, sorry, five American Cup projects over a 25-year period, and uh, so they asked me to get involved as chair of Swimming Australia to help get the thing back on track. And so that was 2013. I'll retire actually in October this year, and it's been a it's been a one hell of a ride and a, a, a real privilege to be involved. But, you know, we're now, we now, you know, we have three sort of scenarios. We're currently the sport of swimming. And in fact, most sports in this country are in survival mode uh, in the sport of swimming, all the swimming pools are locked, locked down. Our athletes, for example, bound to Tokyo was going to be this year. It's now next year or uh, July, August. Uh, there's nowhere to train. That will change hopefully fairly soon, but in a limited rollout. But nevertheless, we're in survival mode. And then we move into reviving the sport of swimming from grassroots up. And then we want to be in the business of thriving. So I've put together a, a commission, swimming advisory commission, we call it, which includes key so-called stakeholders. I don't like the word stakeholders, but member organisations of Swimming Australia in other words, the president of Swimming Victoria, the president of New South Swimming, a really, really intelligent CEO in Perth, WA Swimming CEO, Darren Beasley, and some of our really astute directors of Swimming Australia, plus our CEO, to plot not, not only the survival mode, but you know what reviving the sport should be, and in fact, how we grow go from strength to strength. So we're in the business of, of looking at today, you know, here and now, but nevertheless, very much focused on what's going to happen further down the track and how we can repurpose ourselves, particularly again in the digital world. And, um, you know, we're talking about change as opportunities. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm focused on as, as chair of the organization is what changes are required to be for us to be relevant into the future. Because the current structure of Swimming Australia is not relevant for the future compared to what we need to be to thrive. That's really the point. What the structure should look like, we do not know, but all we do know is that we have to change and we have to change rapidly, just like the internet is changing the way we, we interact with, with each other now. So this whole issue of not having any vested interests, having total trust amongst the, amongst the individuals involved and how we as a group, how we as a sport uh, actually move into the future is really fundamentally very important. And, uh, you know, one of the questions is asked, you know, how are, how are athletes going because of, the, again, the change? Well, it's interesting enough that the sport of swimming, the Olympic swimming squad, they're pretty case-hardened on the average because if there's controversy, it tends to come from within the world of the swimming squad. Kind of, and why? Because people kind of, are, you know, the swimming program is the number one Olympic sport at any Olympiad. And as a result, the media are interested in that. And when things can go pear-shaped, it can become a big deal. 
So, for example, the World Championships a year and a half ago over in, uh, in South Korea, we had the Shana Jack um, scenario. She, she was uh, tested positive for a, uh, for a performance-enhancing drug, and that saga is still going on, and that was a big deal at the time. And our, uh, our, our swimming squad and coaches worked work through that pretty damn well. So when, so I'm really, what I'm saying here is, is that, um, you know, the change, the rapid change of, okay, there's not going to be an Olympics this year, but it's actually going to be next year. And these, these athletes have been training for four years already. You know, what's the health and well-being of these individuals? Well, it's actually pretty good because they're, you know, they're, they're used to change. That's just part and parcel. So they're, they're pretty tough operators in many ways, even though we're talking about, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids. And that's just the reality of it. Um, and I ju I'll just reflect back on into the world of America's Cup. Um, you know, we talk about um, we talk about resilience, and of course, we've got the Anzacs memory and celebrations this Saturday, Anzac Day. You know, where the Australians and and uh, New Zealanders fought together, and we celebrate all the different elements of that. And uh, the America's Cup in many ways, I think one of the reasons why it was such a big deal in this country is one, we were going through tough drought. We're talking about a long time ago now, 1983, but we're going through a really tough recession. It was a global recession in the, and Australia was part of that. We had just come out of floods and bushfires and the country was on its knees in many ways. And, and uh, the Australia 2 effort reflected the resilience of this nation in many ways in that we came from 3-1 down and eventually won the America's Cup against the United States of America, who had never been beaten in that competition for 132 years of competition. And to put it in context, 132 years before 1983 was before the US Civil War. So the America's Cup had been going a long time. In fact, it was the and still is the longest running sporting event in, in modern history, longer than the Olympic Games or anything we know, soccer as we know it, any of these sports. And so the tradition and the history of the thing was, was quite remarkable and quite ref profound. And here was a little nation of 20, 20, whatever it was, 24 million, 25 million people then, taking on the most powerful nation in the world, you know, the United States, in technology, you know, 250 million, 270 million people, and actually winning when no other nation had achieved that success. And that was, and that was a big deal. And we had people like Bob Hawke, who just were able to seize the moment, capture the moment. You know, anyone who sacks anyone today for being late is a bum. You know, that's, you know, that's just beautiful beautiful communication. You talk about seizing the moment. It's just fantastic. And uh, all of those elements is just part and parcel of the, uh, you know, the tapestry of this country. So we came from 3-1 down to 3-2 and eventually 3-3, and then they called it the race of the century. And uh, the fact that we're able to pull it together and actually go on to be successful with a highly competitive boat, the wing keel, but many, many more aspects than the wing keel. It was the aerodynamics of the sails. It was ultimately the people that pulled this together. You know, it's the people. It's all about people. People make technology, incidentally. You know, you don't buy 
you don't just imagine technology and you buy it down at the uh, Safeways. It's, it has to be created by people, very, very creative people. And uh, so the, the value proposition and the, the culture within the organisation was really quite fantastic. And we had New Zealanders as well as Australians in that team. A guy called Tom Schnackenberg was a crazy nuclear physicist from New Zealand who could solve literally anything on the back of an envelope. And in 1983, you know, the computers were nowhere near as powerful as what they are now. But, you know, with Tommy, you, you give him a problem. He said, well, just give me a, give me a day or so. And he'd figure out a, a Fourier um, equation or whatever and solve it mathematically or whatever is required. Again, out of the box stuff. And so you put these types of people together and, you know, it was just quite amazing. So when our backs were to the wall for 3-1 down and we had to win three in a row and the US only had to win one race, then it was backs to the wall. And I think one of the things that captured this imag the imagination of Australia is, you know, we pride ourselves when our backs are to the wall. Just who, that's who we are. And the Anzac spirit, I think, on Saturday, is, again, is acknowledgement of that. You know, that's, and I often think that, you know, Raza and myself, and Raza's in the background there, you, can't, you can just see it. She's just come out of the garden. <laughs> and I invited her into this little conference. And uh, she's kind of shy. Raz, come forward, over to one side. I'll, I'll show you a picture. This is on my desk. Raza won't show herself, but this, this is Will. So this is my bride when I first met her when she was 17 years old. Hopefully you can see that. A nurse, 17-year-old, Raza Padgerskis, can you believe? And Raza's telling me to move on. Okay, God bless her. And I've been married to this young lady for 50 years. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a world record in the world of America's Cup. That does not happen... Normally, they, these relationships implode within 10 years because of the pressure of living out of a suitcase. But uh, when... Uh, so, Raza, this was our, our fourth America's Cup. We'd already lost three times, and Raza had seen it all before. But first of all, move over to one side, Raza. It's unfair. You, I'll, actually, it's easy enough. I'll turn the camera. There she is. <laughs> Just moving out of the camera, God bless <laughs> You'd think that she'd be a little bit more tuned in, but uh, <laughs> I think she's crawling around now. But um, she'd been there and seen it all before. We'd lost three times in the, before. And the final race, the race of the century, you know, people like Raza, you know, it was a big deal for everyone. Raza and the fa our family, our three kids, little kids then, very little, and, you know, the whole family. And... Again, the way the team came together is the way this nation came together, I think, in many ways. And again, that's what we're going to be celebrating on Saturday or acknowledging the consideration of this country being really good when our backs are to the wall. We're, we're pretty tough. And um, I think that uh, that's all part and parcel, hopefully, of the spirit of the Australian Olympic swimming team, the Dolphins. You know, we're tough operators, even though we're talking about young people. And uh, it's part of, the, uh, part of the culture of, you might say, survival, that we, we kind of like that. We kind of like the world of being thrown at the deep end and see what happens. 
And this country, of course, is going to go, is going through the same scenario. You know, with Swimming Australia, we've had to let off 50% of our, of, our, of our staff. We have 70 people, including all our high-performance people. So 50% we've had to let, let off because of the next year, we, it's really difficult to project through what the financial environment is going to be. And the other 50%, which are the mission-critical part of the organisation, they've taken between 40% and 80% pay cut until uh, June, and then we'll, we will reassess. So we're talking about massive, massive changes within our organisation, even though, you know, financially we're reasonably in control. But again, our people have reacted pretty well, you know, because they understand it's, you know, it's, it's part of what we do. It's part of survival mentality. And uh, so, you know, we, we've, there's a sense of pride there as well. And we don't, we, we, we applaud that and we acknowledge the people within the organisation. So when we talk about, you know, our plans forward within the swimming program, just like the world, the world of America's Cup, we say, okay, it is what it is. And how do we plan for today and how do we plan for tomorrow? And planning today is, well, you know, again, I can tell you, you know, one of the people asked me when, you know, referring back to the America's Cup effort, and instantly we'd already lost three times, as I said before, before we won over, over a 12-year period. So there's plenty of scar tissue, plenty of blood, blood on the water at that stage. But when we're 3-1 down was this whole issue of, okay, all we've got to do is really work and do our best out on the racetrack for today's race. And if we can do that, then with a bit of luck, we're going to be invited back tomorrow. In other words, we're going to win this next race. So it was a focus in to the detriment of everything else. We're in our bubble. And at the moment, it's a matter of getting on with the job. And the consequences in our world, within the world, let's say, of this event called the America's Cup, the consequences of winning or losing was irrelevant to the job at hand. The consequences of failure, in other words, losing, and having to live with that for the rest of your life was something that was pretty hard to comprehend, you know, as a, as a sportsman. And again, the consequences of winning, coming from 3-1 down to 3-2 to 3-3, it was something that, again, was irrelevant to the cause. And I, I remember saying one time, again, as a, you know, as a parallel, as a story, let's assume that you're on the back of an eagle, a thousand feet in the air. And no one has the ability to ride on the back of an eagle. I haven't, at least. I haven't been invited to ride on the back of an eagle. But let's assume that you're up there, a thousand feet in the air, and you see a boat down in the water. And as boats go through the water, they make a bow wave and they make a stern wave. The bow wave is just, it's just a relative of a surface vehicle going through a medium like water, a fluid. And the bow wave and the stern wave are drag drag on, the, on, the, on the, the, the boat going through. So I remember saying to the team, let's assume that you've got some big scissors when you're flying on the back of this eagle and you fly down and you cut off the bow wave and you cut off the stern wave and you get rid of that drag off the boat and you get rid of all the consequences of winning or losing out of your mind. And that frees up your mind to get on with the job. And that, that unleashed our potential of what we could achieve. And that became a really, really important part of our, our thinking, you know, to get rid of the consequences of winning or losing 
we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in terms of this COVID-19 world. You know, we don't know when the, the economy is going to be opened up. You know, it's really difficult. It's a really fine balance between life and death decisions and indeed economic survival in many ways. So we need to be following the very, very best advice. And that's, you know, I really like the way that the federal government and state governments are working with each other, unlike what we see in the United States, where it's, it's always so much friction, or it appears to be. But the point is, is that just getting on with today is really, really important. And then if we are successful today within our world, then we're invited back tomorrow. So the question was, is okay, for survival, it's all about just getting on with what we've got today and forgetting about the consequences tomorrow and the next day, because they, in some cases, can be dire. The next step, of course, in, in, in this world, of course, is this whole revival thing, and that's what we were talking about before. And that is actually starting to plan for the future. And that's part of our responsibilities aboard of Swimming Australia and indeed this this um, revival commission or advisory commission that, uh, that's been set up. And we're now moving into this world of, okay, bringing in really interesting people from outside, natural thinkers, on how our sport should repurpose itself and sh should reprogram itself so that we can move into the revival world. And, of course, the thriving area is really the, the really interesting stuff, how we use the digital media. You know, this whole internet thing is just another world of opportunity in terms of communication. And we're only, as Facebook says, we're scratching 5%, 5% of the potential of the internet as a communication vehicle. That just blows me away compared to where we'll be in 10 and 15 years time. Incidentally, again, within this world of the America's Cup, which there's no question it had an X factor associated with it. You know, the Confederation of Australian Sport voting the Australia Two victory is the greatest team performance in the last 100 years is something that, yes, clearly we're very proud of, but it's, it also acknowledges that there was an X factor associated. And part of the deal there is, is that it was a, what we call a vision-driven model. And it's very, very, very simple. We said to ourselves, if you look at the Olympics, every, every um, Olympiad, you get improvements in performance. And the Olympics tends to be the cutting edge of human endeavor because it's such a clean relatively it is as clean it's puritanical human performance every four years you know these athletes are trained for not every you don't go out and compete every weekend or whatever it's every four years it's massive it's a massive focus and huge amount of of effort and refinement goes into those performances every four years you get improvements in performance the interesting thing about human history is that you take an any 20-year any period slice of the Olympic history and you get a quantum leap in performance over any 20-year period from 1980 to 2000, from 2000 through to, as it turns out, 2021, you get a massive improvement in performance. Throwing a javelin, 100-metre sprint, it doesn't matter what. So all we said to ourselves is we're not really saying why is it so because there are a lot of reasons for that. But the question is, all we do know is, is that in 20 years' time, the world of the America's Cup, the game and the business of the America's Cup will be much further advanced than what it is now. And this is really interesting. Human, the history tells us that. You don't have to be rocket science. So on that basis, all we do know is, is that, for example, when we're putting our program together, that third 
effort, hopefully to climb that Everest, which ultimately we did with the Australia 2 program. We said to ourselves, all we've got to do is emulate what we think our snotty-nosed little kids will achieve in the world of the America's Cup in 20 years' time and apply that thinking to now. And that was the breakthrough for us because what it did do is it empowered our people to think outside the box. And this is really the, this is the real opportunity, I think, going forward with, with, with this incredible crisis we're going through. What will the game look like in 20 years' time? Well, if 20 years' time is too long, then let's say five years. Five years, it will still be much further progressed than what it is now. So with, the, with that America's Cup effort, the wing keel was evolved. And you would never have had that crazy type of, of development if you didn't have the freedom of saying, okay, it is what it is now, but what the game could look like into the future and the wing keel, it showed some really interesting promise in the, in the computer, which was really crude at the time in terms of computing power and the, and, the, and the tow tank. But then, you know, we had the audacity to actually build the thing and test it. And it was actually pretty good. It wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty good. And we eventually solved a lot of the issues around the sailing characteristics of the boat by changing the sail shapes and depth and a whole bunch of stuff. And that was really the start of a a whole lot of things, the sport, the world of sports psychology between the ears. How do you perform under extreme pressure when it really counts? In our world, it was literally life and death. Of course, it wasn't life and death because it's only, it was only a sporting effort. But we were literally were happy, were prepared to cut off your right arm if it was required to win this crazy thing. You know, it's just part of the dedication, what people do. So the motivation of thinking outside the box and saying, okay, it is what it is now, but what will the game look like in the future? And I think this crisis that we're going through, not only in this country, but globally, it's going to speed up that type of thinking. Because I think what we're finding now is people now are saying, okay, we're not even sure what the game will look like in the future. And we've got to be prepared for change. And people generally resist change. It's just a reality. So we're now having a population, let's speak on behalf of Australia, this country, where people are conditioned that change is part and parcel of the future. So that's an incredible opportunity. And what we noticed again with, the, with our America's Cup effort is in particular our young people were empowered because young people have no fear because they lack scar tissue. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. They lack scar tissue. So they lack the fear, and as a result, they can give it a go. And within our, you know, our design team, then all these very interesting ideas and sailing team came out, evolved as a result of being unleashed, a little bit like cutting off the bow wave and the stern wave. It unleashed the beast. And uh, so again, you know, what we do know is, is that, let's say, within our current world, what will the sport of swimming be like in the future? That's the exciting thing for us because it will, be, it will be different. The environment will mean it'll accelerate the difference Thanks. and accelerate the change very rapidly. We do not know what, the, what freestyle will look like in the future. Freestyle was developed in the late 1920s. It was called the Australian Crawl. And nothing much has changed. As our head coach, Jaco, says, nothing much has changed. The athlete has got stronger. 
biggest you know, fitter. Uh, the head's gone down, the body's come up. A lot more, huge amount of technology to refine freestyle. What we do know is an underwater vehicle, submarine, goes faster than a surface vehicle. In other words, there's no wave drag. It's purely skin friction drag. We know that an underwater swimmer can swim faster than on the top. We do also know that there's a rule now being put in place that you can't swim any further than 15 metres. But once you're on the top of the water, we do not know, we should not know what freestyle should look like in 10 years' time or five years' time. That's the mentality. Freestyle means you can do anything from one end of the pool to another. That's the interesting thing. And we've been locked into this concept of the Australian crawl since the late 1920s. So that's part of you know, our thinking here. So again, what this world will look like, the business environment, the world of Olympics, the world of swimming, we do not know, but all we do know is it will change, and it is changing. So and that's the mentality that we, we, we're taking, and we're taking also into uh, Tokyo 2021, July, August. So anyway, I thought I'd, um, I thought I'd stop there, and there's presumably some questions, um, um, Kevin, that uh, maybe I could uh, answer, entertain, or try to answer at least.